0: a story of someone who has come to a place in their life where they don't even dare to hope any longer. Uh, they, they, maybe they've never even hoped because the circumstance that they found themselves in, uh, it seems, well, it seems hopeless. It would seem like trying to change might be pointless and, and not even something to aspire to. I'm talking about a story of a man that's found in the Gospel of of John, and he's a man who was born blind. He's never seen anything in his whole life. All he has known is darkness. And there's no indication in this text that he has ever even hoped he would see. He seems to have accepted his position. He becomes a beggar. He, he, He has lived his life in this kind of a way. But Jesus is able to infuse hope where there has been none. And I want you to get that. (laughs) I want you to know that even if a circumstance for you has seemed hopeless, that Jesus has the power to bring hope into a hopeless circumstance. There's a second thing that's in this story that's important. And it plays out in the text we're about to look at. And that is that when this man... uh, in his society and in his time, when he was born blind, people had a couple of questions about why. And it was a time where there was a belief that if you had some horrible deformity, or if you had some deficiency, or you had something that, that wasn't quite like everyone else, that there must have been some reason why that happened to you. And the idea was this, right? The idea was that either your parents had really sinned and done something wrong, Or this really radical idea that the rabbis had that somehow even in utero, inside the womb, you might have sinned against God, which is really a crazy thought. Either way, if you had any kind of infirmity, people looked at you uh, with a kind of stigma. And this man had grown up with that. You were not whole. You weren't complete. You didn't get to be like everyone else. And so you were kind of pushed to the margins, maybe you feel that way. Maybe you're a person, that's your story. You kind of feel like you've lived under a stigma, you've lived pushed to the side. And if that's how you have felt, or if that's an experience you're familiar with, then know that this text and this message and this idea of resurrecting hope isn't just something from the past. It's something that Jesus still does. And he probably even wants to do it for you. If you have your Bibles, you might turn with me today. We're going to go to the Gospel of John. And I want to read to you a story. It's not a long story. I know it's been a busy day. There's been a lot of broom riding going on. (laughs) John chapter 9. Now, it says that as Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples, these men that follow Jesus, they ask him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man, or his parents, that he was born blind. So you see, they, they've just bought right into the time they lived in. That was the common understanding of what was going on. And they believed it. Oh, that must be what's happening here. And Jesus says something really kind of profound. He breaks their idea of stigma. And he says, this man, neither this man nor his parents sinned. Now this was A pretty big idea because it smacked in the face, so-called conventional wisdom, what people thought. He goes on from there and he says, No, this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. I want to pause just to say this, that God is always working in every single life. He's working in your life. He's working in your life. He's working in our lives. Whether we acknowledge it or not, God is at work. In fact, he's at work in our life trying to draw us into a relationship with him from the moment that we are conceived until the last breath we take because God has a will that not one would perish. And know this, that God does everything God can to reach out to any who are far from him. And so he's at work. And as an aside, here's a revolutionary idea about resurrecting hope. If God is constantly at work bringing hope into the lives of people, and we are followers of Jesus Christ, we have a responsibility to try to be like Jesus and to do things that Jesus would do. We are called to resurrect hope in people as well to break the stigma, and to help find ways to connect the lost to Jesus, to connect the spiritually blind to the one who gives sight. Well, Jesus says God's work was going to happen in this man's life. God had a plan, and God does have a plan for our lives. Now, he goes on and he makes this statement about light and darkness, and he says, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work, but while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, having said this, Jesus spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva, and he put it on the man's eyes. Talk about mud in your eye. This is one of those weird stories right I mean, Jesus does all kinds of things, and this is what we talked last week about things that would make great camp stories that kids love, like eating the slop or fire from heaven, right? Spitting on the ground and making mud, that would be a popular one, too. And of course, how grossed out would everyone be when you stuck that in someone's eye? I'm sure it's probably happened at Hilltop at some point. Well, why? Why this? I can't explain it all, except I will tell you that... that um, Everything that comes out of the mouth of the Lord is powerful. Let me say it that way. And uh, that's going to happen in this occasion, too. And Jesus says, my word and my, what comes from me never comes back void. And so it always brings about something. There might have been something here also about feeling. So this blind man has never been able to see. He's only been able to use his other senses, hearing and touch and smell and all those things. He doesn't know who Jesus is. He hasn't seen Jesus. There's nothing about this text that seems to indicate he has any knowledge. He doesn't come running to Jesus for help because he knows Jesus. Quite the opposite, Jesus seems to come by this man. So as Jesus has seen this man, and the man has not seen Jesus, by doing this thing with the mud, it's something that's going to stick with this guy as he he goes forward for a while. Because if you've ever had mud on your skin, when it comes on wet, it's one thing, but as it dries, it kind of pulls the skin and does these weird things. It's a kind of creepy feeling. Like I remember uh, this happening to me when I was at Hilltop Camp, and uh, we were playing games up at the old lake and covered in slime and mud, and then as it starts to dry out, well, it's just a weird feeling. And because I was a junior high boy, we didn't take a shower for three or four days, so it's a really weird (laughs) feeling. Anyway, going on. Jesus spit on the ground, he made some mud, and he put it on the man's eyes. Now here's the moment where this man makes a pretty profound decision. Jesus says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word Siloam means sent. By the way, this whenever Jesus uses the word go, it's a missional word. It has an idea, not just that, that you're being called to... to the momentary task, but it has an idea that you're being called to a bigger task. If you think about these moments when Jesus has used the phrase go, the one that will most strikingly come to mind probably is is when he makes the Great Commission. He tells his disciples, go into all the world, baptizing, uh, making disciples, teaching people to obey. Uh, This is the idea of go. It was a missional idea. And to confirm that this is something that he sees a mission for this blind man, right? What's his purpose been before? He's been a beggar. But when Jesus uses this word go, it's, it, it's not just about going to get his eyes clean. It's the idea that your life's about to head in a new direction. And to confirm that, by the way, the, world, the, the word, excuse me, the word salome, it, it's like a doubling down. It actually means to be sent. That's what the word means. And so it's, it's go to the place where you are sent That's what Jesus says to him. There's a reason this is about to happen. In fact, uh, Jesus has already hinted at it so that God's work could be displayed in his life. The most important thing in this story, the most important words for that man, are the words, so the man went and he washed. And friends, I... If you don't get anything else today, just get this from the sermon, right? The most important thing you can ever do is what Jesus tells you to do. (laughs) Just do what, don't, don't, what I say doesn't matter diddly. What Jesus says is everything. Do what Jesus tells you to do. And your life will be changed. I don't care what's going on. Do what Jesus says to do. Your life's going to be changed. Well, the man did it. He goes, he does exactly what Jesus says, and talk about resurrecting hope. Could you imagine, for the first time in his life, as he walks along toward the pool, there's hope. He he hasn't dared to dream he would ever see, but Jesus has just brought hope into his life that he could see again. And yet, as he walks, someone has to hold his arm as he's going to this pool, and he's being led to this pool of Siloam, and he's wondering, could it really be true? Am I about to see and imagine when he dips into the water and he washes the mud from his eyes and and begins to wipe away all the stuff that's in there, and suddenly he sees light for the first time. He sees water for the first time. He sees maybe his reflection. (laughs) what he looks like for the very first time. He sees his hands for the first time. He sees the world for the very first time. It's incredible. And friends, I want you to know when Jesus comes into your story, you will see the world in a brand new way. This man sees things differently. He sees things. Well, As soon as this happens, it says, the man came home seeing. It would be cool if that was the end of his story because that would be enough. But there's a lot more to the story. In fact, more than we'll be able to completely get into today. But I do want to read just a bit more. Once he comes home seeing, he's changed his whole world. The system, if you will, is going to be uh, toppled and upset. People have been used to seeing him one way, and now they have to see him in a different way, and that's not always easy for everybody. And so his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging, uh, and, and who knows what all that has meant, right? Maybe they played tricks on the poor blind guy. I'm not trying to be mean. Maybe they did. People do such things. His neighbors, who were able to get by with so much, couldn't get by with much anymore. And so it says that his neighbors and those who had seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed that he was, but others said, no, he only looks like him. And how fascinating. This is really remarkable, the story. The blind guy can see, and suddenly everyone who's seen him for all these years can't tell for certain what they saw. Is he the right guy? It's kind of an interesting twist. No, he only looks like him. But the man insisted, I am the man. And they asked him, well, how then were your eyes open? And the word is they demanded, like, this is impossible. How'd this happen? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes he told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went, and I washed, and then I could see. Well, where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. So what did they do next? Well, they brought him to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the town. Uh, and it happened that Jesus, as he often did, he, he just didn't do things the way the religious leaders wanted him to. And he had healed, he had exhibited and exerted spiritual power on the Sabbath day. And here were the local religious leaders who they were the ones who were the only ones that supposed to kind of lead the people on the Sabbath. They took a pride in that. And here's someone else coming into town and doing things, and they get really bent about it. Not only that, they think that he's broken some kind of man-made rule, some add-on that they've put to God's law. So imagine this kind of, instead of celebrating that the blind can see They're indignant that someone dared to do a miracle on their turf on the Sabbath day. It's kind of a sign of things to come and the brokenness of the religious leaders. Well, they ask him about his eyes and they ask him about who it was that had had done this for them. He told these Pharisees it was Jesus. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead to verse 24. They called him back a second time. They summoned the man who had been born blind, and they said, Give glory to God, they said, for we know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. Wow, that's quite a statement. The man, however, says something really profound. He says, Whether Jesus is a sinner or not, I don't know. This is what I know. I was blind, but now I see. Well, they ask him, what did he do? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, but you didn't listen. But why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciple too? <laughs> I like this guy. <laughs> I mean, this is snarky, right? This is kind of an in-your-face kind of a thing Uh, By the way, there's a reason, you know, we we read in the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 15 about 120 people who were following Jesus after the death, burial, and resurrection uh, faithfully before the day of Pentecost. It was a pretty exclusive club of followers. And I have reason to believe this man was probably one of them. Why do I say that? Because he's about about to get thrown out of the local synagogue. He's going to become an outcast of his society in many ways because he's following Jesus, and he's already stood up to them. He already is standing up to those that oppose Jesus. Who knows? I like to think that someday you and I will see this blind man in heaven, and we'll get to hear the story in person. Well, why? Do you want to follow him too, they say. So they hurled insults at the blind man, And they said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. And the blind man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And now he gives these great teachers a lesson in theology. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And of course, then they doubled down on that old stigma idea. You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out of the synagogue or out of the local church, if you will. Jesus heard... What happened? He heard how they had thrown this man out. And Jesus went and he found him. I love this part. (laughs) Jesus went looking again for the blind man. And he found him. He's always looking. He's like the father in the prodigal son story we looked at last week. Who's always looking for us to come back to him. He goes and he looks for this man who was blind, and when he saw him, Jesus said, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the now seeing, formerly blind man says, who is he, sir? The man asked, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him, in fact, he is the one speaking to you. And here is the man's declaration of faith, and it's beautiful. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him, (laughs) resurrecting hope (laughs) where there had been none, changing a life, changing a perspective, changing a community, changing a world. This is the power of Jesus. And his power now resides in many ways in you and I. Jesus talked about that he was the light of the world, but he had told us earlier in that Sermon on the Mount that we also carry that light into the world. And we must let it shine into the darkness. Whether that's physical blindness or spiritual blindness, we are the light bearers that help show light who helped resurrect hope. Friends, if you're here today and you're struggling or your circumstance has made you feel like this man, stigma on the margins, unworthy, I want you to know there's hope. Jesus can change your circumstance. Uh, Jesus wants to work in your life. And we want for you... leave here today seeing Jesus in a new way, just as that blind man did. If you're ready to give your heart, to give your life to Jesus, I hope that you'll do it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.